Good evening and welcome to What We Lose in the Shadows, a father-daughter true crime podcast. My name is Jamison Keys. I'm Caroline. Today's trigger warnings are abduction, violence towards indigenous women, human trafficking, and murder. Good afternoon, Care. Hello. I just realized that we have been saying good evening and good afternoon because that's when we record it. Right. But it drops in the morning. So I feel like a lot of people probably listen to it in the morning. So good morning, everyone. I hope you have an amazing day. Yes, absolutely. It's (laughs) not actually afternoon. It's It's afternoon now, just not when you will listen to it. Well, maybe. I guess it doesn't. You can listen to it whenever you want. I personally listen to true crime podcasts in the morning. I will. I start my day with a true crime podcast, which is maybe why I'm a little paranoid. (laughs) But, you know, uh, (laughs) that's what I, I have to wake myself up somehow. Well, it's better than caffeine, maybe less addictive. No, maybe more addictive. I don't know. I mean, I also have the caffeine paired with the true crime. Ah, (laughs) Coffee and true crime. That's my morning. There we go. And Mr. Goose. And Mr. Goose. Who is my little chicken. We call him a little chicken, little rotisserie chicken, but he's actually a dog. He just looks like a rotisserie chicken. (laughs) I'll post a picture of him on Instagram. Right. And I know that sounds like maybe a bit of a stretch, but no, he really does look like a combination of... What he is, which is a um, a Jack Russell Terrier, a Whippet, and a rotisserie chicken. He literally does. When he's on his back, like snuggled up, he literally has his legs up like like a rotisserie chicken. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> he's so cute. <laughs> Absolutely. He's our executive producer, by the way. So. Yeah, exactly. Okay, on, on to business here. So uh, we're going to talk about something today that uh, is similar in some ways to, to what we talked about last week in human trafficking, but... Today, we're going to be talking about an issue, uh, and as it relates to crime, murder, and in, in, in human traffic as well, with regard to indigenous people. I watched a show not long ago, um, and I think it was called Alaskan Daily, Daily, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it was um, Hillary Swank. Swank. <laughs> you now, just say Car- the first word, I'll say the second yeah, word. Car- Caroline always finishes my sentence. <laughs> But, it, you know, it. I, I watched it. It was on Hulu, I believe. And, and actually, it, it was a great series because um, I, I had known that there was a there problem with indigenous people and, and disappearance and, and murder and things like that. More like the way that, you know, people view indigenous people and the rate at which they go missing, you know? No, that's exactly right. And uh, it really brings light to it. Like, for example, and I don't want to ruin the show for everyone, and I'm, I'm apt to do that. But uh, one just of the, like the last movie, oh, yes, true. But one of the one of the things, for example, is um, on the show they show this um, young uh, a, a Caucasian woman. She's on a cruise ship. She's up near Alaska, and she's taking some kind of a, a ridiculous selfie, and she falls overboard. Oh my god! And um, they unleash the hounds, like the governor, you know, justifies in the show, um, you know, spending millions of dollars and helicopters and ships and and that sort of thing. And the irony of all that was in the show, uh, Hilary Swank's character finds out that there are just dozens and dozens of missing indigenous people. And her complaint, and frankly, I completely understand it and support it, is if you're spending a million dollars searching for this one young woman, then why aren't you doing the same thing with indigenous women? Mm-hmm. 
So that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit today. And, you know, it's it's a very important issue. And according to um, the Coalition to Stop Violence Against Native Women, there are some 5,203 missing indigenous girls and women uh, reported by the FBI's National Information for Crime Center. That was in 2021. So That was one year? That was in one year. Oh, that, my God. That was, that, that was a total in that year. So the, the numbers are probably... They're, they're probably not to scale because, um, you know, they lack a little reliability and, you know, there's a problem with data collection mm. of uh, missing indigenous uh, women that have been murdered or MMIW. Some of the factors that contribute to the data crisis are jurisdictional complications and in addition to that, underreporting mm-hmm. and uh, miscalculation on a racial bias. On some reservations, homicide rates for Native Indigenous women are more than 10 times the national average for the rest of the women across the United States. Wow. Um, these statistics show that MMIW is a human rights crisis that needs more awareness, action, and justice. Mm-hmm. Over uh, over the years, uh, and finally there's been a little bit more light shown on it, and thousands of missing and murdered Native American and Alaskan women whose stories have gone underreported um, and underinvestigated and with devastating effects on their families and on the community. It's a disturbing trend, which predominantly impacts women and children, just like we talked about before, and uh, sparked the missing and murdered Indigenous women movement mm-hmm. led by organizers who paint uh, red handprints on their face and their mouth, symbolizing their solidarity for the affected families. The movement has gained tons of great awareness uh, due to TikTok of all places. Oh, yeah. TikTok is a really good um, way to get things out online, to get people um, interested in in whatever topic you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that, you know, this trend is not, it, it's, I think this trend is definitely related to the way that we came to America, the way we, I mean, the genocide that happened here with indigenous people when we first came here. I think that that still sticks in a lot of, you know, twisted people's brains. And they say, well, they're just not worth the same. Well, listen. As white people. And that's fucked up. Well, absolutely. And, and we've had a, um, a kind of a checkered past, checkered history. Now, look, in my opinion, um, the United States is one of the finest places to live on the planet. And I think that's a combination of different things like opportunity and, um, you know, relative peace. I mean, there's there's violence, but there's not really open warfare per se like in other parts of the world. So it's a great place to live. That doesn't mean we don't have problems, right? So I disagree, <laughs> you know, and that's okay. Uh I think that's one thing that I really like about our podcast is that we as like different people, different, um, you know, subgroups of society, we have different opinions and that's okay. Um, you're trying to say generations and, and, and generations, that, yeah. that too. You're trying to hint <laughs> but and also that like I'm old. Yes. man, woman, right. straight, gay, you right. know, there's a lot of differences. Sure. And, you know, for what I have seen especially from like people around me you know it's 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 a really nice place to live if you're white i think that is the big thing i think you know a lot of people of color do have amazing beautiful lives here but i do think that they struggle way way more than us and way more than they need to of course and you know america is America has has its things that they do, right? But I think there's a lot to be improved upon, especially for 
BIPOC people, so Black, Indigenous, people of color. Right. Well, and absolutely. And I think where where America becomes great, and, and let's face it, you're never ultimately at the highest possible level. There's always things you can change. But I think that when we look at, when, when everyone's experience, white, black, you know, Hispanic, um, native, indigenous, indigenous LGBT, LGBT, um, you know, it, when everyone's experience, regardless of who you are or what you think, um, as long as you want to do the right thing, as long as you want to do, you know, be a positive force for American citizens and people in general, I don't care who you are, what you're about in terms of how you identify. When everyone's experience within that group can be the same, then we're at a great place. I think so, too. And that is just sadly not the reality we live in. I think that, you know, I can only begin to imagine what, you know, people of color, especially women of color go through. It's it's actually despicable. Um, but, you know, and, and I also I don't care uh, if you're an American citizen or not here. You deserve respect. You deserve, you know, the utmost dignity. And, you know, that's just we're all human beings. Right. Doesn't matter if you have citizenship or not. Doesn't matter if you live on tribal land or not. Doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, right. We're all humans. We all deserve respect. We all deserve to have a peaceful life. We all deserve to be happy and, you know, have joyful moments and not have these random biased people try to put objects in our way. No, that's exactly right. And, and so even though we think we know kind of a, a have a grasp of the problem, the true numbers of missing and murdered Native people is still really unclear. And the Bureau of Indian Affairs says that there are 1,500 uh, Native Americans and Alaska Native uh, missing people in the FBI's National Crime Information Center database, although roughly 2,700 cases of murders and, and non-neglected homicide with Native Americans and Alaska Natives uh, have been reported to the government uh, through the Uniform Crime Program. Wow. Uh, however, the, the Bureau of Indian Affairs also says that there are 4,200 missing people uh, and murdered women that have gone unsolved, largely due to a lack of investigation, you know, amid confusion over jurisdiction problems and limited resources. So the estimates are truly at the tip of the iceberg, uh, given uh, how, many pay, uh, how many cases actually go unreported. Under the supervision of the Department of Justice a new program, five attorneys and five contractors will help support the existing cases of the ones that continue to arise. During a recent hearing in New Mexico led by the government, uh, the Non-Invisibility Act Commission is a group of Native leaders and law enforcement officials and community members assigned to develop uh, recommendations for the Department of Justice on missing, murdered, and trafficked Native people. Family members told the tragic stories of victims, uh, some of who disappeared years and years ago. Uh, among commission members who spoke was Patricia Whitefoot, one of the Yakima Nations, uh, whose sister disappeared in the 80s. Wow. After decades without answers, a recent DNA test revealed that her sister's remains had been located in a remote area off the reservation. Uh, Whitefoot echoed her deep frustration that's shared by many families who said the major issue when loved ones go missing is the inconsistent communication from law enforcement. Wow. And during a lifetime, we've all witnessed the, um, with outrage, sort of a morbid curiosity with the grief uh, resulting when white women disappear or are murdered. All humans who suffer in that way deserve the same attention. Absolutely. We also experienced nonstop coverage recently. And, and, and listen, I'm not making judgments anything, but we've all recently seen the hysteria 
um, over the Titan submersible, which was a vessel that disappeared with uh, in a tourist expedition going down oh, yeah. to see the, the, the Titanic. The urgency around uh, missing Native women uh, with the media should parrot that, right? Mm-hmm. It, it should be just the same outrage as if we were covering those five really wealthy passengers. But also, that. I do think, you know, it should be even greater because there was not much, there was nothing that we could do with that. You know, like people were covering it, but there was nothing to save them. Well, yes and no. I mean, I mean, I think you're going to find that in some form or fashion that you're going to see that there was some level of missing information or neglect or someone wasn't, you know, I know that in that case, and I don't want to get off point too much here, but there was one official that told the, the, the CEO of the company who actually went down in the sub and unfortunately perished that there were too many cycles on that sub. Right. And he was immediately fired by the CEO. So there's some real problems there, but we're not really here to talk about. No, that. but like at, like when it was being reported, right. they were already down there. Right. Right. And so at that point, no one knew how to get them up. No one, everyone knew it was near impossible or impossible. And so, you know, with missing and murdered indigenous women, that's something that we can definitely have a greater likelihood of changing. Right. And have a greater impact on. Right. Yeah. So for now, the uh, the Not Invisible Act Commission will continue to work with Native communities to develop further recommendations, uh, which we put in a report due in this coming October. While solutions continue to materialize, we're considering this a stepping stone that will hopefully lead to some justice. So here are some underlying facts about the plight of Native Americans. One in four Americans, Native Americans are living in poverty. The median household income uh, for those living on reservations range from, ready, 11000 to 29000 Wow. Surprisingly, 20% of the Native Americans whose households make less than 5000 so the level of poverty, uh, simply shouldn't exist in America. Uh, four out of five uh, Native American women are affected by violence. Imagine growing up in an environment where... Only it's only a matter of time before you experience some sort of sexual assault, sexual violence, sexual harassment. That's horrible. For most of us, that would seem absolutely unthinkable. I mean, it does happen to women, I will say, but definitely not at the same rate as it happens to Native American women. Right. And, and it's, if that was a problem with society, generally speaking, uh, there would be a solution already at hand. Right. But I do think that the problem is much bigger on the national scale, all races included, all backgrounds included. And, you know, we're not believed. I think that is one of the biggest problems. However, I like, obviously the statistics are clear that native American women experiencing, experience it on a much more common rate, sadly. But, um, I don't know if women were in general, like four out of five women would experience that. I still don't think that, like people would be doing much. Right. And, and, and it's, it's a big deal because, for example, um, murder is the third leading cause of death among Native American women. Wow. Think about that. Not can- I mean, can- cancer and, you know, heart disease and so on. Sure, you'd expect that. But the third leading cause of death is murder. Mm-hmm. According to the Department of Justice, uh, for women living on a reservation, the murder rate is 10 times higher, like I said before, as the national average. That is terrifying. In 2016, 5,712 reports of missing American uh, indigenous people and Alaska Native women and girls were received. 29 is the average age of a missing or murdered indigenous woman or girl. 
the youngest um, missing MMIW victim was a baby less than one year old. Oh, my God. And the oldest MMIW victim was 83 years old. Wow. So unfortunately, the high levels of crime and violence have led to an epidemic of missing and murdered Native American women in the United States. So the history of violence against Native women dates back centuries from the time of the first explored in North exactly. America. Uh, and the first settlements. Right. Human trafficking in Native American women communities is another epidemic that continues to, even to this day, uh, because of the rural areas and, you know, and a lack of law enforcement available in, at times, Native American women uh, are easy targets uh, for violence and traffickers. So additionally, there are complicated jurisdictional barriers that arise when crime arrives between Native and non-Native peoples mm-hmm. that of, often leads to injustice. Do you know, Care, what compounds that problem? Um, I could think of a few things. What? <laughs> so I'm thinking in particular uh, of massive events like the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally. Uh, and it's become a hotspot of Native American trafficking. Oh, my God. Where multiple arrests are being made every year. Law wow. enforcement and government officials are becoming more and more aware and aggressive uh, in terms of taking steps to address it. But it, it's still, we have a long way to go to protect indigenous uh, women from sexual violence and assault. South Dakota is the most recognized um, spot for the open open ranges, miles of lush farmland and 0.2 million acres in the Black Hills Forest Native area alone. These same serene rolling hills and towering pines awaken with the sound of rubbling with the hosts with the large annual Harley event that comes to the state every year. Celebrating the 82nd year of the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally attracts hundreds of thousands of motorcyclists from across the country to gather in a week-long rally, which includes, you know, officially goes from August the 5th to the 14th. While most of these motorcyclists tour nature and the beauty of the Black Hills and enjoy open, you know, outdoor concerts and spend, you know, tourist money that the area needs. But there's also a disturbing reality that takes place there. Hidden in the shadows from the music and the crowds are DCI agents and other law enforcement agents that are standing vigil, conducting undercover sex sting operations. Wow. Regrettably, a Sturgis rally has become one of the main events that drives human trafficking within the state of South Dakota. Wow. However, it's not the only time and the only state that has those problems. For sure. The Super Bowl is another huge problem, apparently. There's a lot of human trafficking, not necessarily of Native women, but of underage women and so on as well. I saw an article this week that just said the Super Bowl is a super event where these people that abduct these young Native Americans, children and things like that are at the Super Bowl because you have literally tens of thousands of people in town and, you know, there's a lot of drinking and and so on and so forth. There's an awful lot of men there. So yeah, a Super Bowl. And so big events like this are really really a problem so that's terrifying yeah and the sturgis um the sturgis uh sex trafficking there's a quote here that says one of the reasons is there are two major interstates that run through the state right i-90 and i-29 and are part of the midwest pipeline gotcha the super highways used to deliver trafficking victims uh to cities across the county and across the country uh and you know that's according to a fact sheet that i read wow the reality is that wherever there are events that attract large numbers of men uh, there's a market for sex trafficking. That is so scary. And while trafficking exists around the nation, there are some distinctive things about South Dakota. Uh, you know, the peaceful, homegrown mentality that exists there is an excellent cover, for example, for sex trafficking. Okay. You know, no men's sports. Canceled. <laughs> no men's sports. I'm done. <laughs> Just kidding. So this isn't a, a, an isolated issue. Uh, it's a growing epidemic. And 
The Division of Criminal Investigation has been conducting undercover sex stings in South Dakota, like I said, for years. Even now, the K-E-L-O-L-A-N-D, Kiloland News, uh, to be part of the undercover operations and surges. Uh, although there's been agreement in place with the Attorney General's office preventing uh, from showing the public the operational details, the Attorney General feels strongly that bringing public awareness to the forefront of the issue can help stop and fight human trafficking. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to know the signs to look for. Um, and I know a lot of nurses, uh, and especially sane nurses, the sexual assault nurse examiners, are you know trained to be able to spot trafficking when people come in. There were 30 federal sex trafficking cases in South Dakota be- between 2009 and 2014. Oh, my God. There were nine arrests made in 2013 at the Sturgis rally. Five indictments came from the 2014 rally. Eight arrests were made in 2016 at the Sturgis rally. Nine arrests were made in 2017. Six arrests in 2018. Eleven arrests in 2019. Eight arrests in 2020, but that rally was really smaller because of COVID. Okay, so that's still crazy, though, because other years they also had eight arrests. Right. So it's like that was a smaller like thing. So they probably caught more, like right. a higher number of the people, you know, that were involved in trafficking schemes. But it's crazy to think like that's probably not all. Like a lot of people probably did traffic people and didn't get caught during those things. South Dakota is also home to nine Native American reservations and it is designated as tribal land more than any other state. So Native American women and children are at a higher risk from trafficking than any other racial group. So while this can happen anywhere and to anyone, Native American women and children are at a higher risk. Traffickers recognize that taking advantage of people who are already vulnerable, uh, and that's what they do, according to the Polaris Project. Definitely. Uh, really a traumatic, traumatic event. Mm-hmm. So oppression, discrimination, and other social factors, along with inequity and that yeah. sort of thing, really add to the vulnerabilities. These women and children will often spend a lifetime trying to heal from this horrific abuse. So I think one of the big things is uh, is to just be aware and to be vigilant against you know things like that. For example, I just saw a great story, and, and um, there was a flight attendant uh, who rescued a, a victim of human trafficking. After she spotted this little girl, then came on the plane, and the little girl was kind of, you know, dirty and disheveled, and she was on this plane in first class with this really well-dressed man. So Sheila Frederick, who was 49, was working for Alaskan Airlines flight between San Francisco and Seattle. She noticed the little girl uh, who looked around 14 or 15 and immediately knew something was wrong. Uh, something in the back of my mind, she said, there was something that just wasn't right. He was so very well-dressed. Uh, that's what got my attention. I thought, is he well-dressed, and, and why is, is she looking so disheveled and out of sorts? When she tried to speak to the two passengers, the man became very defensive, and the girl uh, just would not engage in conversation. Uh, Ms. Frederick uh, said subsequently she left a note for the teenager as she saw her going to the bathroom in the toilet, which says, you know, give me the sign if you need help. And the little girl did, in fact, need help. So the flight attendant informed the pilots who were able to communicate the message to the police in San Francisco, and the man was arrested as soon as the plane landed. Thank goodness, because, you know, who knows what that little girl would have suffered, you know, had that not happened, and I'm sure already has suffered. Right. Um, But, yeah, I think that's one big thing to keep an eye out on is, you know, if someone is, like, very, like, clean and neat and orderly in like looks and they're with someone younger who doesn't exactly match their appearance in that sense. 
So, uh, so basically, there are uh, there are some signs uh, that are common signs for human trafficking. So, if the person or or the younger person avoids uh, eye contact, uh, if they seem fearful, if they're not allowed or able to speak for themselves or him or herself, that's a problem. Anxiety, uh, especially around law enforcement, can't say that it, where he or she is staying. Uh, has numerous inconsistencies in terms of his or her story, shows signs of mental or physical abuse. If you see something, basically say something. Call 911 or local law enforcement so they can respond ASAP. In addition to that, as you gave last time, care, the National Human Trafficking Hotline is 1-888-373-7888. Text HELP or INFO to 233-733. Help end sex trafficking at the Sturgis Rally. If you would like more information on the plight of Native and Indigenous women and how you might be able to help, we recommend an agency called Native Hope. Native Hope exists to address the injustice done to Native Americans, and they share Native stories, provide educational resources, and assistance to Native communities. In addition to that, it's a great way to donate, and they have a wonderful thing called a toolkit, which gives you information that you can put on your social media to raise awareness. Once again, that's Native Hope, www.nativehope.org. Follow the show on whatever streaming site you're listening on. And remember, all of the source material will be available in the show notes. And follow us on Instagram at what we lose in the shadows and let us know if you want to hear a specific case or if you just want to give us some feedback. Okay, join us in the shadows next Tuesday. Bye.